0: Welcome to episode 22 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with PsychArmor trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players by going to psycharmor.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. This week, I'm having a conversation with two members of Habitat for Humanity, a nonprofit organization that helps people in your community and around the world build or improve a place that they can call home. My guests today are Michelle McGee and Michael Delarosa. Rosa. Michelle serves as the private grant and development coordinator at Habitat for Humanity of the Charlotte region. In her role, Michelle manages a portfolio of more than 60 grants annually that help support the organization's $27 million budget. Michael Anthony De La Rosa is the director of Habitat for Humanity International's Veterans Build program. Since joining Habitat for Humanity in 2017, Michael has played a pivotal role in designing and cultivating innovative partnerships to create sustainable impact for service members and veterans that deserve a safe, decent, and affordable place to live. Michael served as a U.S. Marine in support of Operation Enduring Freedom, Iraqi Freedom, and Hurricane Katrina. You can find out more about Michelle and Michael by taking a look at our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with them and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. So Habitat for Humanity is a nationally recognized and respected organization that addresses a critical need in communities, providing decent and affordable housing around the globe. I'm interested to hear about your partnership with Armor, how it came about, Michael, why it was necessary, and then, Michelle, maybe what the partnership might look like from your perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's really excited to be here and grateful for the opportunity to talk with you. We know that Habitat's work is really important and foundational for any kind of quality of life for our military-connected families and veterans. Veteran homelessness is a pressing issue that we're facing in the U.S., and according to the National Alliance to End Homelessness, more than 560,000 adults in the U.S. are homeless. And of that number, 11% of them are veterans. Veteran homelessness is caused by complicated factors, including a lack of access to housing and other essential services. And when I came across this opportunity to connect with Psych Armor Resources, We really introduced it to our affiliates as a way of understanding who they're serving because it seemed like there was a gap in the understanding of how to best utilize those resources that were already available for our affiliates. We weren't really sure who we were serving in the first place because veterans weren't always volunteering the information that they are connected to the military. So with uh, PsychArmor's training, we actually took an opportunity to start to introduce it to our network and really took hold really quickly and allowed our affiliates not only to better serve them, but also to serve them with the right resources. Because as you can imagine, nonprofits don't always have a ton of resources to tap into. And what we really wanted to do is better understand military culture because it's its own culture. Even though, once upon a time, a lot of folks in the United States served in the military, it's down below 10% of you know, the, the population now that it serves. And so, when we started to introduce the Psych Armor educational training, our affiliates adapted it really quickly, understood how it to utilize it, and at the same time really became a, a staple for everything that we do and has created really great results for Habitat to build relationships, understand their families, and at the same time try out new resources that maybe they weren't aware of in the beginning.
0: And Michelle, you're on the ground in Charlotte, right? You're providing services for Habitat for Humanity in the Charlotte region. How have you seen some of the military culture education benefit?
2: So, yeah, so I'm on the ground here in Charlotte, and I think for us, we have had this relationship, obviously, with Habitat International, but our the veterans we serve were hit or miss? So it was either a lot of veterans all at once that we would serve or none. And so getting a consistent pipeline of veterans in our service was always a struggle for us. And so we're still working on getting our direct kind of lineup with psych armor. but, For us, the resources that Habitat International has been able to provide has allowed us to reach more veterans and have a more consistent pipeline. So I think for us, that's been extremely beneficial just to know how to reach more veterans, what questions to ask, how to make them feel more comfortable. Because the biggest thing we've realized on the ground here is there's a huge pride issue. So when when someone is asking for our service, sometimes they won't say that they're a veteran because they're really proud and they're really sad that their house has become this dilapidated or something like that. And so it's just how do we approach that in a very sensitive way so that we can help them the best we can.
0: And Michael, you're a veteran. You referred to that as, as that we don't often volunteer that conversation. Perhaps maybe post nine eleven veterans and maybe Vietnam veterans and Gulf War veterans, but a lot of those are Cold War veterans are aging into the 55 and older age group right now. And that's really referring to this pride of service and then finding yourself at a point where you need help. That can be really challenging for a lot of folks. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that's the thing, transitioning back from military life is difficult. I myself transitioned out of the military from the Marine Corps and on a difficult to one connect back into the community, and, and and then also find the things that I was doing felt meaningful as it did when I was serving the country. And that's a challenge too, right? Is when we find a family that we want to serve that's military connected or family, we're also learning that a lot of them aren't signed up for their benefits, right? So when we start to talk to them, we understand that they haven't even signed up for their benefits, and in many cases, don't even view themselves as veterans because it's part of also the military culture, right? Someone who's a National Guardsman versus someone who's active duty may not actually think that that, that they're a veteran. So when there are many examples of when using the psych armor training to to better understand how to serve families is two buckets, right? There was, all right, some habitats were asking about veteran status and some weren't. And then those that were asking just directly, are you a veteran? And we, from our learnings with psych armor, we started to ask a better question asking about, are you a veteran? We would just ask, did you serve in the military? And that question alone helped us find a, a subculture, a subset of the veterans who weren't actually saying yes. Our female veterans were often not taking credit for their service. Our guardsmen and reservists weren't taking credit for their service. Folks who didn't go on a deployment weren't taking credit for their service. And then those whose jobs didn't include using any weaponry weren't taking credit for their service. So your logistics, your intel folks, your admin folks were not taking credit for their service. As a nonprofit, when we look at that, there's still resources available to serve them. And so we want to make sure that when we're engaging with them, we do it holistically. And we take the time to make sure that, okay, we want to definitely take care of the need that you come to us with. But we also have a community that we want to introduce you to and partners, other veteran service organizations and other entities that really want to make sure that you've got everything that you need. So it's not just a Hey, we just put a ramp on for you, or we did a rehabilitation project for you, but we, that we also introduce you back to the community that you're living in.
0: And I think that's a, a critical point. In that homelessness doesn't happen in a vacuum, any more than mental health happens in a vacuum, any more than any of these financial crises and unemployment, all of these are are really interconnected. But Habitat doesn't do those other things. They they can connect people to those other things. One of the key factors of your collaborative operating model is cross-sector collaboration. And Michael, you alluded to this earlier, PsychArmor and Habitat don't work in the same target audience. Habitat's mission is to provide affordable housing, whereas PsychArmor is to educate people to serve military and veterans. Michelle, maybe we can start with you, but I'm interested how you may see the partnership between PsychArmor and Habitat Helping you and and your staff members understand more about the veterans that you're serving in Charlotte, and then Michael, maybe how you've seen it across the Habitat
2: landscape. Yeah, and again, I'm going to speak more to funneling through Habitat International, just because that's how we're getting armor information. So for us, we we were asking the questions like Michael said, like we were asking, "Are you a veteran?" That has that's how we had been asking a lot of our homeowners that question, and we were having a hard time getting answers. So when we opened that up to say, have you ever served in the military? I think if anything, it started a lot more questions with our homeowners. So we had a lot of people, I've emailed Michael back and forth several times of homeowners going, well, I was not, I wasn't active duty or I was never deployed or I'm in the national guard. Do I still count? And I think it's that kind of thing. And so just learning how to better frame our questions has been huge. So one of the things that we really struggle with as an affiliate is getting the metrics and outcomes that we need to better position ourselves for future funding. And I think that through Habitat International, and I'm assuming through the Psych Armor partnership, we've been able to ask more concrete questions, more holistic questions to really get better metrics and Questions that aren't going to offend and maybe questions that spark more conversation than anything else. So I think that's been, for us, That's we've seen that almost within a couple months of asking some of these questions. We have seen a lot more veterans come in our door, which is great. And so for us, just to give you an idea, I think last, at the beginning of this fiscal year, we were having a hard time getting five veteran families. That's what we needed just to secure some funding. We're having a hard time getting that. As of right now, we already have five families scheduled into just into September for fiscal year 22. So we're already way ahead of the game for where we were last year. And I think a large part of that is through the resources that Habitat International has been able to give us through the relationship with Psych Armor.
0: And Michael, I think that's really a key thing is once you get the answer of no, are you a veteran, then you stop there. But if it's maybe, sometimes it is, or if it's yes, then further questions. Did you serve in the Marine Corps? You're a Marine. Did you serve in the Marine Corps in the mid-80s, right? That's very different than someone who served in the Air Force with two deployments in the 2000s. But you're able to ask more specific questions and dive deeper. And then once you ask the question, you have to be ready to provide those services. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's the thing is, right, we want to be more intentional about who we're serving. And that's where, again, I think that's going to be a differentiator between Habitat and our work with Armor is two nonprofits working together to help each other go through the, the belief framework to strengthen our collaboration so we can bolster our existing programs, expand capacity and cultural competency, leverage resources, increase funding opportunities. And a lot of this stuff has allowed us to have conversations with local elected officials about the work that we're doing state elected officials and our federal elected officials to say, hey, we're actually serving a lot of veterans. And one of the things that's out there right now, the DRM pilot, which is funding from Congress appropriated for HUD to award for critical home repairs and rehabilitation projects for veterans who do not have a service. So there's four housing grants out there that we're currently aware of that allow service connected veterans to get very few choices for non-service connected. And as you can imagine, Dwayne, we're hard on our bodies when we serve, right? Whether we went anywhere or not, we're hard on our bodies. And that makes us more likely to develop a disability comparatively to our civilian counterparts. And also at the same time, have one at a younger age before we use a term that we call like aging in place. So we want to do the right thing by rallying the community, rallying our knowledge and what we're learning, So we can ask deeper questions, so we can be smarter about the resources that we're using and essentially validate what works and what doesn't work and fill in our blind spots. Because if we know that there's a specific resource for veterans who are living with a disability or struggle with independent living, then we can tap into that resource.
2: I will say, I'm going to bounce off of what Michael said there, because what's interesting is when he says about the disability and stuff like that. So we have, I'm looking at the information from our Five veterans that we've served through critical home repair this past fiscal year, none of them cited a service-related disability. However, all of them, so on average, their repair costs were over $36,000, which is considerably higher than our general critical home repair cost. And primarily, it was grab bars, ramps, removing carpet, so it's not a trip hazard, so there was a lot of accessibility modifications that were made to the homes, even though they didn't say or state that they had a service-related disability. So that I think that's very indicative of what Michael says, is that it's just your body's worn out. And, and it is interesting to me, at least as a civilian, that none of our homeowners have said that they're disabled, even though they are all over the age of 70. And they are all obviously having some issues in their home. And also on our reporting metrics, they haven't cited that they're having any issues with anything whatsoever. But then in the, when we look at their scope of work for their home, it's a lot of accessibility aids. So I, I think that's a very interesting I think the mentality of veterans and the grit. And so it's just a very interesting thing for me, at least.
0: And yes, the military is an inherently dangerous, but also an inherently strenuous occupation. I jumped out of airplanes 37 too many times, and I've got the knees and ankles to prove it. But both of you were talking about specifically serving veterans. But one of the things that interests me about supporting in a number of different ways, I see this in mental health. I also worked in homelessness for a period of time, is what works for veterans, you can then apply to other populations, right? It is this small but diverse sort of homogenous population that there are those resources But then if you have some success with veterans in housing, you can then go to funders and say, this is how we got this, and this is what we can do for other populations. Have you seen that, Michelle?
2: Yes, actually. And I actually have a note here to mention that we were able, through a lot of these outcomes metrics that we were able to now better have a grasp on, we were able to access additional veteran funding. And then we're able to, now we're looking at this as an affiliate saying, okay, how do we take this great outcomes measurement that we've been using on veterans? And how do we translate that to our general critical home repair population? This year, we served 126 families or will serve 126 families through our critical home repair program. Only five of those families are veteran families. But how do we ramp that up? And how do we translate that into saying, this is what we've done? How do we get more money in this regard for an aging population? So it's definitely, we're looking at it as an affiliate a lot more closely. And also, we we also through this have finally, we didn't really have the need before to have a dedicated staff member for veteran outreach, but we actually have in the past six months have, we have a, a veteran who works at Habitat Charlotte region who has started doing kind of part of his job. So he's in our volunteer department, but then part of his job now is veteran outreach and recruitment. So I think in that regard, we just are on a whole other path that we weren't on before, which is really exciting. And so even if the funding doesn't come through Habitat International, how do we figure out where to access more funding? How do we serve more people? How do we translate these veteran specific questions and funding into an older population? It's all intertwined. And it's exciting for us as an affiliate to figure all this out and crack open all this stuff.
0: (laughs) And and it's about capturing the data, right, Michael? You know, in the military, we had the saying of the doer does what the checker checks. And if what's checked isn't measured, then it's not done. Part of what came out of the cross-sector collaboration is your research and outcomes measurement. How do you see that research and outcomes measurement playing into this partnership?
1: That's the—that's a huge part of it, right? Because as we get smarter about what we're doing, we can start to know what to actually advocate for and ask for. And outcomes measurement stuff, work rather, is really going to allow us to better understand the long-term impact that our families are getting on the work that we do. Because we have the stories of, we hear kinds of wonderful stories, but very rarely do we have the data. And this was a great opportunity, as you said earlier, Dwayne, to really dial in, Because we do have generous funders like the Home Depot Foundation that offers us funding to do critical home repairs for military-connected families and veterans, but we want to point back to say, "Hey, when we did this type of work, this was the quality of life improvement that they have. and that kind of ties back to what you said earlier as well, Dwayne, around the mental health piece, because we want to make sure that there's an understanding that you know, from military service, what I've always believed that there's a direct connection between the high levels of stress that we get from boot camp all the way through. And one of the constants in all of that is where you live, right? As you, When you're in the military, whether you're on base or off base, when you transition out of the military, whether you're couch surfing or you land back home in, a, in, a, in an affordable home, or when you, you know, as you become a veteran, you have this place that you call home. And what I'm hoping that we're learning together with our work with Psych Armor and with our local affiliates, especially Michelle in the Charlotte region, is what is this information telling us? What can we do with this information? And how can we make sure that we are better serving our families and positioning them ourselves to make sure that the work that we do is sustainable and it improves the quality of lives of all families, as we were discussing just a minute ago?
2: It's so exciting to be on the beginning end of this, I think. So for us, we're still at the beginning of this outcomes measurement. So we just have our baseline that we've gotten from all of our families. So then in three to six months, we'll get our our follow-up with these five families and I'm a little bit of a data nerd, so I'm personally very <laughs> excited to see what they say. So it's just for us to have, it's very empowering as an affiliate to be, to have these kinds of resources to figure out what we're actually doing. We know it works, but to have the data to back it up is a game changer for
0: us. But then being able to have that data to be able to show other veterans, because it's all about trust, right? Especially working with military and veterans in a critical space, it has to be trust. And that data provides trust to everybody. I I think the work that both of you are doing is great. A, A colleague of mine says in the mental health space, we can't talk about our inner child if we don't know we're sleeping tonight. Housing is critical to mental health and wellness, Michael, as you had referred to. Thank you both for coming on the show today.
1: Thanks for having me. Pleasure and thanks for the opportunity.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. One of the first points that I would like to emphasize is the need to support veterans in getting their needs met in post-military life. As I mentioned briefly in the show, some of my early work after retiring from the Army was as a program director for a homeless veterans program. Veteran homelessness is sometimes something that people can't wrap their minds around. These were arguably successful service members. They made it through basic training and things like that. How do they end up homeless? There are complexities, of course, which I'll talk about in a minute. But one of the basic ones is the lack of ability to adapt from one way of living while in the military to another. When I talk about homelessness and unemployment in the context of mental health, I often use Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow's hierarchy is where we have different needs that have to be met, and basic needs have to be met before we can address higher needs. We have to satisfy our need for nourishment, food and water, before we can satisfy our need for safety and security. We have to have stability in our lives before we can address psychological needs like belongingness and satisfaction. Habitat for Humanity is an organization that satisfies one of those basic needs, shelter and stable housing. But in the military, this need was automatically provided for us. When I got to basic training at Fort Leonard Wood in 1992, where I was going to sleep that night wasn't one of the things I was anxious about. Of course, my housing was an old World War II era barracks in an open bay with a bunch of other trainees, but a place to sleep shelter was provided for me. Sometimes veterans will struggle transitioning out of a situation where those resources are provided for us and into a situation in which we have to figure out that stuff on our own and helping those veterans get that shelter so they can address other needs is a critical mission for Habitat for Humanity. The second point that I'd like to talk about sort of comes out of that. As we've talked on the show before, complex problems are only solved through collaboration, not single agency action. I've started to describe addressing the needs in the military and veteran population as collaborative chess against a complex opponent. I'm not referring to the veteran as the opponent, but the veteran situation, the things that are combining in that service member's life to create distressing or even fatal situations. Suicide, for example, is something that people think must be solved, but suicide is really a lagging indicator of a number of underlying problems. Consider a veteran who has undiagnosed post-traumatic stress disorder, has untreated traumatic brain injury, is experiencing chronic pain from multiple injuries experienced in the military. They're unable to sleep, have poor nutrition, are using alcohol or other substances to cope with these stressors. The veteran is angry, anxious, or depressed, has no purpose and meaning in their post-military life feels guilty or angry about things that have happened while they were in the military, has economic instability, and is either unhoused or unstably housed, and does not have any significant supportive relationships in their life. All of those things together are literally a recipe for disaster. Consider each of them as a separate chess piece, the bishop and the rook, the queen and the pawn. Each of them manifests themselves in different ways, with each of them having a greater or lesser impact individually, But collectively, it can be a challenging problem to address. Now consider on the side of those trying to address those problems. Michelle and Michael, with Habitat for Humanity, address a single aspect of that complex problem. Consider what it would be like if we played chess with a single piece, the rook for example, against that complex array of difficulties. Or, with enough resources, that we had an entire side of our chessboard that had nothing but rooks. It still wouldn't solve the problem. But if we add more pieces to our side of the board, we also add more hands controlling the pieces. Imagine the chaos of a chess game if one person controlled each individual pawn, another controlled the bishops, another controlled the knights, and the person controlling the king was nowhere to be found. The opponent on the other side of the board, the challenges that the veteran is experiencing, is going to easily overwhelm a fragmented opposition. The problem will not be solved. That's where collaboration comes in. And collaboration requires communication and a common understanding of the challenges that service members, veterans, and their family members face. Just like you can't jump into playing chess until you learn how all the pieces move, it's dangerous to jump into addressing challenges in the military and veteran population without understanding military culture and mindset. It's great to hear that Habitat for Humanity is taking the time to learn about this culture and mindset and collaborating with other organizations to address the other issues that's how we're going to win this game so the psych armor resource of the week is the course in understanding why collaboration is important to supporting the military affiliated population this course is designed for community leaders interested in exploring some key components to a successful collaborative journey you learn how collaboration can provide the structure needed to impact the lives of military members veterans and their families and their caregivers Watch this course to assist in your collaborative journey, as well as hear examples of how others have used collective impact principles to better their community. You can find a link to the course in our show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psycharmororg forward slash btm22, as well as on the PsychArmor website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation And make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, stay aware, get educated and be well.